Hi, I'm Rachel, and you're listening to the Tipsy Traveler podcast, where we talk about cocktails, travel stories, and how-tos. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the 10th episode of the Tipsy Traveler podcast. This week, I'm going to be picking up where I left off talking about Antarctica, so this would be Antarctica part two. (laughs) If you haven't listened to Antarctica part one yet, it was episode three, I believe. And I highly recommend starting there and then coming back to this one if you haven't listened to the first part of Antarctica yet. So before I dive into all things Antarctica again, I want to start with the cocktail of the week, of course. (laughs) So this week, our cocktail includes Shackleton's whiskey, which if you don't know who Shackleton is, he was an explorer and he was shipwrecked on the Antarctic Peninsula, I believe. And years later, other explorers found his shipwreck and found a bunch of whiskey on this shipwreck (laughs) on his boat and then tried to recreate it in Europe. So the Shackleton's whiskey that we know nowadays is a recreation as close as possible to what Shackleton was carrying on his boat when he crashed. So it is a scotch and it is quite good actually. I'm not the biggest scotch person. Most of the time it's like way too smoky for me but but the scotch is actually quite sippable and nice and realistically this cocktail I want to call it like the Shackleton's cocktail but realistically it's scotch and soda so it's one and a half ounces of Shackleton's and four ounces of soda water and you can also add a lemon twist if you like. Pretty simple cocktail, but very easy to drink. Like I said, Shackleton's is a pretty sippable whiskey on its own, so adding the soda and the lemon really just makes it easy to drink if you like whiskey already. I'll note that at least. (laughs) So I want to begin this episode where I left off on the last episode. So if you remember, the last episode was all about getting to Antarctica, kind of the Drake Passage down. So we are on a boat, we're very sick, (laughs) and we start seeing pieces of land. And the only thing that I can describe this as is like a dream. I mean, it's definitely real, obviously. It happened, but it feels so untouched. Like once you're there, even the buildings you see seem vacant. We were there right at the end of their spring. And so a lot of these outposts aren't manned until summer. So we're a couple weeks early for all of them to be manned. And obviously they have different stations in Antarctica that are manned all year long, but we weren't near those. We were near kind of the the more summer situations. (laughs) What am I trying to say? But it almost feels like what I would imagine space feels like. Empty, but fascinating and teeming with new things. Everywhere I looked, I felt like there were new things to see or new things to talk about. And a lot of that is because I don't travel to cold places very often. So Simple things like shelf ice are new things to me and I I had to learn all of that. Some people, I'm sure if you've been to the Arctic or even like northern northern Canada or Iceland or some of these other places that would have a lot of ice and really understand it, then every single thing you see in Antarctica might not be new. There would definitely be some new things, but all of it wouldn't be completely breathtaking because you're used to it. <laughs> For instance, if you grew up in Alaska, I'm sure that a lot of the things that I was seeing for the first time in Antarctica, you already kind of understand glaciers, um, at least more so than I did. So 
But once we got to the peninsula, the Antarctic Peninsula, we were able to get off the boat and do certain things, but there were a lot of regulations around it. It's not like they just parked the boat and let us all out and wander. We still slept on the boat every night, so there wasn't like a hotel or something that we stopped at in Antarctica. But they had smaller Zodiac boats that would carry maybe 10 to 12 people. And we would go out on those to either do activities. So they had like snowshoeing, mountaineering. We actually like got to do some hiking with like ice picks and stuff like that, which was pretty intense and cool. And actually a little terrifying because the day that we went mountaineering, I didn't realize that we were all going to have to be tied together. And the reason they do that is so that if someone falls into a crevasse, (laughs) and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, but essentially if the ice opens up and swallows you, you're tied to a bunch of other people and they can pull you out. And I was like, great, 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 great. I love it. (laughs) I'm not terrified at all. But it was a really cool feeling like hiking up even just a little bit and looking back down to where our boat was and where other people were on their zodiacs kind of exploring. So the way it worked is they had a bunch of different activities. So mountaineering was one of them. Kayaking was one. Camping was one and snowshoeing and then they also had like I mentioned the zodiac boats where they could get into some smaller areas that the giant boat couldn't really navigate so every day you had the possibility of being scheduled for one of these things and before we got on the boat we were able to identify which ones we were down for because not everyone would be especially on an Antarctica cruise there are a lot of older people so obviously not everyone's going to be down for every single activity but we got to kind of specify which ones we were interested in and from there they like randomly chose people for each day's activities the sad part with that is like if you got canceled on one of the activities due to weather which happened quite a bit for us there was no loop back around most likely unless they had time so and they actually wanted to give us the opportunity to camp overnight and Antarctica. Essentially, you'd have to dig out your own sleeping pit (laughs) in the snow. And unfortunately, the day that I was supposed to go camping, they had to cancel due to wind. Essentially, they didn't want us getting stranded (laughs) and not be able to make it back to the boat, which is fair. And I actually don't think anyone on our boat got to go camping. There was one team that went out that night, set up everything. So they went out, started setting up camp, digging their holes to sleep in, got done. We're about to like finish up and got a call from the boat saying like, hey, the wind is kind of shifting and like, it looks like it's going to be pretty stormy. Like we need you to come back. I'm so sorry. And so they all had to fill in their holes because you can't leave a giant hole or a penguin would fall in and be stuck. So you have to fill in all the holes and then come back to the ship to sleep which they were all very sad when they got back and we could actually see them all doing this because it doesn't really get super dark I remember one of the first nights we stayed up talking until like two in the morning and I walked back into the room and our little like porthole you could still see light outside and I was like what time is it like is it 10 p.m and it's like no it's two in the morning but it just doesn't really get dark the way that you think it should (laughs) which is a really trippy feeling honestly it's so strange like just not have a sunset but while the camping and other canceled events were a little disappointing we were able to do a good bit I know a good 
number of people were able to go kayaking and there was a lot of snowshoeing and mountaineering that was able to happen and then the zodiac boats the smaller boats would go out pretty much every single day once in the morning and once in the afternoon so if you weren't scheduled for an activity you always had that chance to get off the main ship and and go explore a little bit which was really fun we did get to see a good number of whales which i was pretty stoked for and actually one time we were in a zodiac and a whale got fairly close to us it was both terrifying and exhilarating being in such a small boat near such a giant creature but obviously like we didn't chase them down or follow them around or anything like that they just like would pop up and it was incredible (laughs) to say the least one of the things that we didn't get to see were orcas and I was actually really looking forward to hopefully seeing them but they're pretty elusive and we did actually one day we were all in like an assembly on the boat I think preparing for the day or maybe debriefing for the day and the crew was giving us some kind of talk I don't remember but we were all gathered in one location and the captain came on like the overhead speaker and said oh we spotted orcas two o'clock or whatever it was and we all just immediately squealed jumped up and ran outside it was pouring down snow and I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt because I was inside not thinking that I was gonna need to go outside and we're all standing on the side of the boat trying to hopefully see these orcas resurface and they never did and I was very sad but we stood out there for a long time like waiting with our cameras and phones just like waiting for these orcas to pop back up but we did get to see a ton of penguins and a ton of seals and a few other different kinds of whales including I think humpback and blue whales I think that's what we saw I need to fact check that don't don't quote me on that please (laughs) but it was really interesting watching the penguins interact they're very curious creatures so they were constantly like they would look at you and like you could tell that they like wanted to know more but they were also like a little bit scared so we had to be very cognizant of the penguins (laughs) make sure that they didn't get too scared off or like we didn't get in their space too much something else that I kind of mentioned was creating holes so even as you're walking with snowshoes on or something like that you had to be careful not to create deep holes or if you did to fill them back in because penguins can get stuck in them so that was something we were constantly thinking through And also as far as like precautions that we had to take, we were constantly having to wash our boots when we got off the ship and back onto the ship to make sure that we're not bringing anything, introducing anything into the ecosystem or taking anything out. So that was something that was very interesting and new for me, as well as we weren't allowed to take any kind of food. So you could take water, but it wasn't recommended since there was nowhere to go to the bathroom on land. So you don't want to drink too much water and then have to go to the bathroom since there's nowhere to go. But we weren't allowed to take any kind of food or anything like that even in a backpack, even if we weren't planning on eating it, there was just like no reason to. So we weren't allowed to do that. And there are a lot of little things like that that you had to kind of think through to make sure that you weren't disturbing this land that's like fairly untouched by us. Yeah, sorry, back to penguins. (laughs) We heard a story about a penguin that they named Kevin. By they, I mean scientists, I think. They called him Kevin the Lonely Macaroni. He was a macaroni penguin that lived with a bunch of chin straps, I think, or maybe gentoos. He lived with a bunch of penguins that were not his same type of penguin. And so, unfortunately, he couldn't mate with any of them. So he was really lonely and he would always like set up his nest like he was going to mate, but never could. And it was, 
It's a very sad story, but it's just very interesting. They don't quite know how he ended up with them. He just kind of showed up one day and stayed and no one really knows why. So they, I think, did a lot of studies to try and figure out why this penguin was just like so chill with hanging out with a bunch of penguins that normally that doesn't happen. Like normally they stick with their type. Speaking of lonely penguins, there was one day that we were out on a Zodiac boat and there was a big crowd of penguins. I don't know what the right word is. I want to say flock because they're birds, but I don't think that's correct. But there are a bunch of penguins and they're, you know, doing their their thing, living their life. And kind of around the corner, there was this big giant mountain and there was this one lonely penguin climbing this mountain. But you would watch him and he was like walking, walking, walking and he would stop and like look around as if like, am I going the right way? And then he would keep walking like up the hill, up the hill, (laughs) take a couple more steps, stop, look around, make sure he's going the right way. And he was just like very obviously lost and it was so sad because his people, his penguins were like right around the corner, but he was going the wrong way. And I was like, dude, where are you going? But we just sat and watched him for the longest time. It was just so cute. One of the coolest days was actually a day that we didn't get off the ship at all. We went through the La Mer Channel and it was a day that we all spent kind of out on the front of the boat, just kind of looking around. There was a ton of sheet ice or like shelf ice across the top of the service that we kind of had to break through. And at one point they were kind of unsure if we were going to get through, but we were able to. And it was such a neat thing to watch. I mean, the views were gorgeous. There were a lot of mountains and glaciers around. Around, but it was also really fun to watch the penguins and the seals kind of out on the on the shelf ice just living their living their life doing their thing and it was probably the most picturesque or like what you would picture as Antarctica kind of day the pictures that pop into your head that's what the La Mer channel reminded me of is like what I had been picturing for years as Antarctica so it was really cool to see it was also a really great experience to have the entire crew be so up on their Antarctica knowledge because we would be standing out there with them and see a bird or see some kind of specific kind of ice and be like oh what is that what do you know about it and they could spout out all kinds of information about the specific antarctic tern <laughs> which is the type of bird so it was really fascinating spending time with them and taking some of their knowledge obviously i've done a really bad job of remembering it long term but in the moment <laughs> we were able to learn a lot and i can't imagine going there as like an explorer a hundred years ago or more and not being able to google (laughs) or research what I saw you know just like seeing things and be like what is that like I can't put words to some of the creatures that I saw but luckily we live in the age of the internet and so I was able to I could just google anything or ask someone on board which was probably the better option since I didn't have any wi-fi while I was there so I was writing down a lot and then did research when I got back But there are a lot of days spent snowshoeing and looking at penguins. There are a lot of days spent very sad that our activities were canceled. And honestly, that's one of the things that makes me want to go back to Antarctica one day is to be able to do like the camping and the kayaking and some of the things that I was supposed to be able to do, but unfortunately just due to circumstances beyond anyone's control, like we weren't able to. The one thing keeping me from going back to Antarctica in the future is the Drake Passage because it was absolutely just horrid. (laughs) Like I get a little nauseous just thinking about it. That's how horrible it was. (laughs) But maybe one day I'll be able to go back and, and do some of those things that I wasn't able to do the first time around. One of the other days that I remember very clearly was a day that we got onto Zodiacs and went kind of exploring and they showed us a shipwreck. The ship was sunken, but 
still kind of parts of it were up in the air or like out in the open and so we could drive the zodiac over parts of the sunken ship and like through other parts of it that were out of the water it was very fascinating i've never seen anything like it in my entire life and i tried to take some videos and it just doesn't do it justice because you can't quite see through the water the way that you actually could in real life because there's a glare but it was things like that every single day i felt like we'd see some kind of settlement or setup or something new that we hadn't seen the day before and i felt like not that we were the first people to discover it obviously but it was also new to us that in a way it felt like a discovery every single day. You know what I mean? Like we were uncasing these things day by day and they weren't new to the crew. They aren't new to humanity, but they were so new to us and so unbelievable in some cases that it felt crazy. I don't even know what the right word was. It felt so novel because it is so untouched in so many ways. I'm trying my best to cram like two weeks of incredible events into a 30-minute podcast and I hope that my ramblings are making sense and inspiring hopes of travel for you guys. I mean honestly that's like what the whole point of this podcast has been is to kind of spark that that joy of travel in all of you. Whether you have it already and just need like some encouragement because of the times that we're in or if you don't have it and wish that you did. I'm hoping that these stories and me getting on here and rambling every week is is in some way encouraging. Those are all of the main stories that I remember other than the trip back on the Drake Passage and I'm actually going to make a part three of Antarctica to talk about the trip back as well as any other things that I might forget or any questions that you guys have about Antarctica. I would love to have a Q&A time. So if you have questions or you want to hear specific things about Antarctica, I would love for you to reach out on Instagram. We are the Tipsy Traveler official on Instagram or on our website which is linked on that Instagram and just hit me with any kind of questions or thoughts that you have about Antarctica if you're planning your own trip or if you never in a million years thought that you would want to go to Antarctica but now you kind of do or even if you still don't and you just have questions about my experience I would love to answer some of your questions on Antarctica part three in a couple weeks. I think that's all I have for you today. Next week I'll be talking about traveling in countries where you don't speak the language. I feel like a lot of people kind of struggle with that. I know that my boyfriend is one of them. I might bring him on to talk to you guys about it because I don't necessarily get freaked out by it, but I know that it's a it's a pain point for many people. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the tactics I use to feel comfortable and hopefully that'll help you a little bit. Hope you're all staying safe and I look forward to talking to you next week. Bye!